Hi, Jill. Hey, Jill. So we're going to talk about stories today and empowered stories, um, stories that were offered by culture and society and experts. And are we utilizing to our own benefit for our own self-love and self, I want to say evolution, an empowered story? Are we giving ourselves our own agency? Are we using that agency to think for ourselves, think critically, assess a challenge and an opportunity independently of others? And are we willing to be brave sometimes <laughs> when we make choices that we know can create flack among loved ones or among even strangers if they knew the choices we'd made? I love that. I, I do. I like this topic a lot. And I know we're going to get a little personal on it, which I'll let you tee up in a little bit. But just when we're talking about stories, we are talking about a brain function. The brain takes this world, tries to make sense of it, even the things, by the way, that don't make sense. That doesn't stop the brain from trying to give it meaning, give it purpose, and, and give us in a with these stories, an, an attachment to something tangible. And those stories from a brain perspective tend to recycle different forms, but have the same basis. And those stories tend to form a shell of an identity for us. And this is going to be, this podcast is going to be uh, eyeballing that structure and that understanding that if the brain is making meaning, that's not actually a problem for us. And we can turn it into our greatest strength by making those, as you said, making those stories or keeping those stories or weeding out those stories in a way that, that helps us to be our best selves and continually enhancing, evolving right? Just whatever you want to say, it just keeping us in that empowered trajectory. That's what the story can do. Very good. I, as people know that if, if they've been, if they've been following this podcast, I can go really, really deep and really long, really long in conversations. So I want to admit that Jill and I could probably have this conversation over three hours and still be coming up with the material. There's a lot of angles to this, but we have a goal of keeping this episode in 45 minutes or less. <laughs> so I will try and be very succinct. So the application of this idea of stories that, that we're choosing to use today is weight loss and some of the new approved um, weight loss measures like Wagovi. Wagovi is a semaglutide. It's been approved for weight loss. It's not in the type two or diabetic category of drugs. Wagovi is the brand name for the weight loss approved drug approved by, in the U.S., the FDA. It is exactly the same medication as Ozempic, which is a type, is a diabetic drug. And for people that have blood glucose, blood, blood glucose challenges and dysfunction, dysregulation in their lives. Okay. So <laughs> some have been following this. Some have never heard of this. I, it, Wherever you are, I'm just giving you a hug because this is a fascinating story. Um, 
a very common weight loss franchise, weight, uh, weight Watchers actually approved, they are going to use Wagovi in their practice now. So rather than the counting Skittles and how many Skittles you can have and things like that to keep your points low, they've actually adopted this. That's how much that brand name believes in this process. So I started noticing and hearing rumblings about this um, in different news outlets, probably about February of 2022. And I started to get really curious. And as Wagovi was approved, I was like, oh, okay, this could be game changer. I got so excited about it that I called our stock um, financial managers and I said, I want you to buy these companies <laughs> because when I looked at it and I was on Reddit and checking in with some of the users of both Ozempic and Wagovi, and there's other brand names too, so there's Ribelsis and there's other ones. Um, and I'm not savvy in all of that, but I was like, I want you to buy this much of this stock and this much of this stock because to me, this is huge. Um, as different people in the public eye were sharing it, um, either on podcast forums um, and saying how much weight they lost. And there's one woman, her name is Megan, and she's an interior designer. And she's on Jeff Lewis Live and Jeff Lewis, um, his new home design show on Amazon Prime. I've been watching Jeff Lewis since the beginning. I love I Jeff Lewis. Yeah. I, I love, love interior too. design. So <laughs> Megan was sharing that she's lost. I mean, I don't know what size she is, but occasionally she'll give updates because Jeff Lewis is watching it because he, you know, he likes to try to look his best. Um, and weight is an issue as we age. The interesting, I'm almost exactly the same age as Jeff. I think Megan is close in age too. We're in our early fifties. So I can relate to that part of, oh, the, the methods I used to use in my thirties or my forties, if I got, if I got a little bit bigger than I like to be, aren't working anymore. And then I hit menopause at the early age of normal at 45. So I'm post-menopausal and it is just, it's like, oh my God, yes, I can do keto, but it is that there's no room for error. I can't have any sugar. I have to monitor my carbs and I'm, I'm truly a carb addict. And I can't imagine asking like a heroin user or something like that. You just need to use your willpower and just not consume what your body is saying. If I don't have this, I'm going to die and I will hijack you to get what I want, right? It is sugar and carbs are sugar is an addiction. So I respect that part of my cravings. I'm not an overeater. That's not my challenge. Anyway, to get to the long and short of it, I was like, I totally want to try this. I read up on the risks. I looked at the clinical trials and things. And I was like, okay, so, okay, I understand that risk. I understand that risk. I have a sense that my doctors are conventional and quite old school, and they're not going to go for this. And I didn't, I think I barely met the body mass index um, requirement for Gobi, but I just felt like they were going to go well, you know, you've lost weight before, Jill, all you have to do is this, this, and this. So no, I'm not prescribing you a magic pill, you silly goose, you know? So I was like, well, my husband and I are going to Mexico in December. I did my homework. You can get ribelsis and they don't have Govi yet, but again, it's the same drug. You can get ribelsis and Ozempic in Mexico without a prescription at a pharmacy. I went to the Costco because I wanted the brand name. I didn't want the risk of a knockoff at some neighborhood pharmacy that you see all over Mexico. So took an Uber to, to Costco. <laughs> I had the concierge at my hotel call first and I got like a five month supply <laughs> of what they had. And I kind of had to, okay, you don't have the 14. So I'll have to kind of 
you know, do two sevens and, you know, I was doing all my homework and first two months, I didn't lose anything by the third month when you're at the prescribing dose, cause you work up to it or your body really has a hard time with it. I've lost 13 pounds since February 20th and it's March 27th. So it is amazing. And I, so I understand I'm going to get shit for it from some people. I, I'm not asking you to approve my decision. But when I'm on Reddit, Jill, there is so much sad situations of people that are very, very obese. They're losing, you know, some, not every, it doesn't work for everybody, right? But there was a woman that lost 80 pounds and um, she went in to hug her husband and he was like, it's like, I can't give you credit because you're cheating. Yes. Yeah, so and this she is was where... heartbroken. She was heartbroken. Go ahead. I think this is where the, the kind of, where the stories come in. Mm -hmm. Okay. There has been for as long as I can remember, whenever people are talking about weight loss, there's, there's always been, there's not going to be a magic pill. And now there is a pill or a shot or whatever it is that people can get, which when you when people think about weight loss, part of the story that they tell themselves, if the story is there's no magic pill, is it's almost defeat before you begin. And that becomes the story, whether it takes too long and you're the type of person that doesn't have that stick to itiveness. I am a good on the uptake, bad on the follow through. I'll try anything for two weeks. But even if I get results, I tend to fall fall off the wagon in whatever I'm doing. And there's so much stigma around that. There is not, not everybody has discipline. And I don't want to say discipline isn't even the right word, but my, life to me is about what changes. Life to me is about excitement, putting myself on a regimen that is so reductive and so repetitive to me is the antithesis of living. And this morning I was thinking the only thing repetitive about my life right now is that I like to wake up and have a coffee and a croissant, some kind of pastry in the morning. And I've just decided that I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to fight myself on it. I'm not going to be in resistance to it. I'm not going to have a conversation about it later. I've chosen that and that's what I do. And it makes me super happy. But I do feel that the stories that we have around our bodies and around weight loss, many of them are cultural. A lot of them come with our families. Some come from bullying in school. Like we have absorbed an incredible amount of what do you what do you call them D- limiting demeaning um and um, it, it's so disenfranchising stories that are a big part of the weight loss problem big part we have to get our mind in the space not of you have to deny yourself and that's just more of the bad stories Yeah. So we have to, like you did, kind of pivot 
cleaning out the stories is very, very important, even if you don't make any other change in your weight loss or body image regimen. I think the first thing we have to stop consuming and regurgitating are the negative stories. And I think that's, to me, that's my focus here, right? Mm-hmm. How do we look at them and use your example to, to say, what do I think about that? What am I thinking exactly. about her? What am I thinking about myself? What am I, you know, that story about, you know, you're, you're cheating. It, it, that's coming from his own bad bank of stories. Yeah. It's so interesting. It is fascinating. And in this Reddit thread, I mean, I felt so bad for the partner because you could tell she was so excited and she wanted to share, I want to say the benefits of her feeling like she was making progress and feeling healthier. Can you guys imagine 80 pounds? Can you imagine picking up an 80 pound weight and walking around all day with that? She set those down and that would feel amazing, right? So for me, given how much I have um, supported people that are at different body sizes and helping them feel um, happy and confident and beautiful at every size and recognizing that a lot of my audience is perimenopausal or postmenopausal. So really supporting them and the, the psychological shift that can have on us that our bodies don't work the way it used to. It's hard to feel um, even keel. It's like another round of teenage hormones. It's, it's terrifying in a lot of ways. We feel unpredictable and that's not fun. So I, I hope that I'm approaching uh, sharing this in a very holistic sort of way. I am the type of person that there's probably nothing that anyone could say that I haven't thought of. So it's not, well, what about this? What about that? You haven't thought of that. I actually have, right? I've heard mm-hmm. of all the complaints. I've read about all, I've seen all the complaints that people have made. Um, Dr. Drew, um, whom I was on his show, um, in 2022, and he was on Heather McDonald's show um, recently, and I didn't hear that section yet, but it, they did call it cheating. And I'm just like, but you're assuming that some individuals that calories in does equal calories out. And for some individuals, for various reasons, their metabolic system seems broken, doesn't follow those rules. There are individuals and gut balance revolution is one that I followed. I created the whole program based on that. I called minding the matter. Um, that is a gastroenterologist recognizing that he had patients that they would say what they were eating during the day. He could see that their weight was not dropping. And he said, he would look at them as if you can't be telling me the truth, because if you were eating that little, you'd be losing weight. So he, he and his other colleagues, professional colleagues would say the same thing. These these people coming in our office saying they're only eating this and they're still gaining weight or not losing weight. I know they're lying. Can you imagine what that feels like to an individual that is trying to do the right thing? They're trying to not overeat or, and some of them are starving themselves, which is another reason your metabolism can get broken. Anyway, what he realized over time is there, what if they're telling us the truth? What if they are really eating that? What if they're sacrificing that much and it's not leading to the formulaic calories in calories out formula of now you should be losing weight what if that what if they're actually telling the truth and they're sacrificing that much and they're still suffering in these various ways exactly it isn't just about the weight loss it is about the blood um the insulin levels it is about insulin resistance it's so many things 
It's way more it's complicated. It's also the mind, right? It's totally, so, yeah. So the so the downward spiral of being on the quote unquote um, restricted yet con, uh, what would you call it condoned path, right? The we talk about this this blaming, shaming, shaming, cheating. This is the this is the narrative that we are trying to break. And I do think if, if the story, when somebody says, if you're on a drug, if you're taking a drug, whatever, you working for yourself and having benefits and then having a doctor or a spouse or a friend say something this goes to the podcast we talked about last time it's like yes. we have this we have this point where we muster our resources our internal resources and we say you know what i'm going to do this for me and then somebody shoots one across your bow i feel in those moments that shot across your bow is there for you to double down on you. But what tends to happen, because we have a story in there that the validation somehow is required, when somebody shoots one across our bow, the deflation can have us abandon ourselves almost overnight. Exactly. And you could actually stop taking that drug regardless if you are seeing benefits. So this is an important, this is a two-tiered process yeah. that, that we're talking about. It's how you got to the point where you want to do this for yourself, how you stay committed to yourself regardless of what culture is telling you. And by the way, if somebody's, you know, coming across your bow, Think about that. Jill and I have talked about, think hard about that relationship. That should be a, a little bit of a, I got to wake up here. Mm -hmm. I have to see this with eyes wide open. Yeah. All right. Because that relationship itself could be an issue as to, I just read something. I was, it was the 600 pound life. I have no idea how this came across my website literally this morning, but it basically was a follow-up on somebody who had been working with the doctor. I don't know who he was really interesting dude, by the way, but, um, on my 600 pound life and the wife was overfeeding this guy. She just was like, I need things to, I don't know, stay exactly the way they are, but the doctor couldn't work with the 600 pound person, because the wife was sabotaging the whole thing. So there is an important element of like, when people are telling you, you're, they're blaming you, they're shaming you, you're cheating. I see that as sabotage. Like that's when we don't, that's when we get busy. Mm -hmm. Right. That's when yeah. we look at the relationships in our lives. We look at the doctors we've chosen. We look at this is a recalibration we're talking about. Yes. Huge. And I think a really fun, practical example, because I didn't get to this part, 
um, Megan on Jeff Lewis Live, she he was said something like, so are you the same size you were like in high school? And I think she is in her 50s. And she said, no, I've never been this thin, Jeff. What? And okay, so if someone tells you that they are they are not scarily thin, good, healthy, wow, good for you. Well, it's my good part. Um, they're thinner than they were in high school. They've never been able to be that thin for whatever reasons. And they now are their kind of dream weight that they never thought they'd get to. And they tell you they used, and she's using Manjaro, which is not a semaglutide, it's a different one. That I would be doing. It'd be given my research, I would actually prefer to do that one, but I can't get that. And they don't have it improved in Mexico yet, but I, <laughs> that's next. <laughs> anyway, so what's your first thought when, so, when someone is achieving that goal, their personal goal, that's their goal. That's nothing to do with you. And they're using Manjaro. Are you A, happy for them and say, oh my God, that's so great. I'm so happy for you. Is it B, I'm mad at you because you're not, you're not suffering you know, in order to, you know, realize your dream or see something else. Me, my natural way that I operate now, I'm not jealous. I'm not mad. I'm just happy because she's happy. She's not hurting anyone else. Manjaro, that's where it gets a little tricky because Manjaro hasn't been approved for weight loss yet. But it's, it's I mean, based on all the research, it's FDA fast-tracked for a Wagovi version Manjaro, and then I won't be taking anything away from the type two diabetes community. I completely understand that that's a that that's a problem, and I I'm very upset about that too. I'm sad about that too. Yeah, but anyway, so that's something to think about. Are you happy for another person? Because your ability to be happy for another person directly relates to your being happy for yourself. And mm -hmm. some people at any weight are not happy. Their dream weight. They're, oh my God, I never thought I'd be this big weight. They're just not happy people. Some people have the ability to be happy in every weight, at every pant size. You know what I mean? And that's just a different type of person. I want everybody to be the person they want to be. And I'm excited that technology is here. And some people, I mean, the one the one thread, I, or not thread, but criticism, well, other than the type 2 diabetes thing, which is real, I heard was, well, you're going to, you know, it's just, you're just going to gain the weight back. I'm like, not if I stay on it forever, I won't. I'm on thyroid medication for the rest of my life. I'm on mm -hmm. asthma medication. So what? So what? I have, I have the means to get to Mexico, wherever I need to go to get what I need. And that's okay. So I just, I think these are temporary problems in terms of the shortages, in terms of those things. And I, I think you're um, highlighting that Let's say you are a person who struggles with, with your weight, whatever form that takes, even if it's just mental, and you see someone who has losing, who has lost weight, or who maybe is naturally thin, are you happy for that person? So this is a really important aspect because energetically, these things happen in loops. They're all connected. And as Jill said, you can't be happy for, for someone else and not yourself and vice versa. That door must swing both ways for your energy to be clean. And your energy must be clean in order for change to happen. That that is the way things work. It's almost like 
and everybody's experienced this in some form. When you stop caring is when the shifts begin. When you're holding on too tightly and you're muscling things and you're seeing everybody through a lens of that person's better than me in some fashion, you're stuck. You're stuck in your brain. And when you're stuck in your brain, I would offer nothing new can happen. It can only recycle old thoughts, old feelings, old stories, old drama, old trauma. So there is a certain amount of blinder capacity that you need in order to revise the story, keep out what doesn't jive with your newly gelling story. So that woman that you spoke about had was beginning a new story of herself. Something was emerging. And that guy pushed her backward down the stairs and shut the door. Mm-hmm. That w- involves a whole nother, I got to climb those stairs again. I got to, d- like, what are we doing to ourselves and to each other? So I would offer, listen to the podcast. What was it? What was it? I don't even know what it was. Yeah. Listen to the podcast we did last week or two weeks ago. Um, just about not letting other people's juju in your juju, especially when you are actively working on updating the story. Yes, I'm just looking at what we called that one last time. Um, Oh, new options. I mean, I had my version of it, but new options for hurtful words. Basically, are your feelings getting hurt? You know, it was that one, right? Yes. Something about yeah, her feelings. Yeah, two words. Yeah, sticks and it's stones. It's perfect. Okay, yeah, yeah there we something go. Something about sticks perfect. and stones can break yeah. my bones. Yes. Um, so okay. that's also it's a big directly related. It is. Directly related. And, and the, these fledgling narratives that we're creating to uplift us need to be nurtured. Mm-hmm. They need to be like a, like a plant that you just put a seed in a ground in the ground and you need to give it the time to let it germinate. You need to water it. That may require a little, like a real shutting, shutting off the TV, shutting off whatever it is that's impinging. That's, that's bringing the old story back into uh, your awareness. Yep. I mean, economically, and this was, I was writing what I was writing to our financial financial person, economically, this is huge because Mm -hmm. obesity is a growing problem in all advanced modern societies, right? It's for various reasons, some of them not easily fixable. So this whole debate about you're taking something away from type two diabetics, a portion of these folks are on their way to being type two diabetic. This may actually, this solution, if it is what it's looking to be like, could actually decrease the incidences of type 2 diabetics, which is great news for everybody, right? Are there trade-offs? There's always trade-offs. There's trade-offs with everything. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that, you know, I'm I'm not that broken up about the, um, the supply chain right now. You know, that that piece isn't killing me. I, I I think that's totally fixable and totally temporary. And, you know, I look at why people are saying that more than anything. I 
I am just, again, to me, that's, that's an inability to be happy for someone, right? It's, it's, it, it supplies the narrative of you don't deserve this. I I just think, I don't know. I just think mentally that's, that's a, I'm, I'm not there. I, I just feel like everybody's entitled to the, to the same things. And I think that that will be fixed. Um, I think that's totally fixable. I don't know why we would have a shortage of, I don't know why there would be a shortage. It actually makes no sense to me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this for, for anyone that wants it, right? If somebody is happy in a size 14 or higher pant size, those are US pant sizes. Awesome. I'm so happy for you, right? If you've ever been a size six or a size eight and you loved yourself even more that way, we are not our pant size. We're not our dress size. We're not the number on our, on our whatever. And sometimes we can go like, oh, but that is my favorite me. I do like it when I feel that way. And it may not even have anything to do with what it looks like. It's just like, oh, and I, I can feel my, I feel my, I feel my bones underneath the muscle and, you know, the other, it's not just you know, roles or whatever, right? We've, and this, now it relates to the whole stories about we're supposed to embrace and be happy for everyone being every size. And I am happy if they're happy, but I don't, I don't want to be like, no, you should be happy when someone's not happy. And that's been a weird thing I've noticed over the past two to three years is this sense of, well, you should love yourself at every size. And somebody's like, yeah, but I would rather I'm this size. So it feels like there's this huge amount of inauthenticity that has been pushed on people that are a size that they don't want to be, that they're, there's shame in them admitting, you know, I actually am trying to get down to this other number here because that was healthier for me, or I liked myself better there. Some people were getting shamed for that. This is so I agree. bizarre. But look, it's the same thing with, with um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Right. Gastric bypass. And look to, to this, I would say if you've been in a heavy situation, always chasing another version of you for the majority of your life, that story is not going to go away with this drug. It will manifest itself in some other way. Right. The, the, our brains have a way of like shifting gears and we think the only problem we have is this is this weight issue and everything else is fine if we don't actively get that story out it will jump tracks and it will show up some other way i have no idea how but it it doesn't it doesn't allow you to ignore it you have to update it and then it makes sense, right? You're you're going for an updated physicality. Why would you keep the old mental programming? They don't automatically shift with one another. So this is what we're espousing, at least what I'm espousing, is an active watching of the brain through the process and making sure that you're just not squeezing a balloon and having the air pop out somewhere else. So there's a two-step process. I like that. And I I just thought of a self-reflective question that could be really helpful for somebody to identify 
whether they're in that situation of they're just moving around a problem. If you are the type of person that you, you've identified a challenge or a problem and you're thinking a lot of your life will be fixed by fixing that problem. For example, if somebody didn't like their nose and they're like, I, I'm just trying to get a nose job and then then I'll have a happy, happy relationship. And then I'll, and then I'll be the mom I want to be. And then, and then my finances will take care of themselves. Okay. You're definitely in a self-delusionary category and I want you to get help for that. Right. If you're the type of person that, okay, I recognize, you know, this, this, I'm trying to fix this, but nothing else may change. I may like myself more in the mirror, which is what I'm really going for. Then, I mean, personally, I'm like, if it makes you happy and you have the means to do that, those are expensive surgeries then go for it. I just want exactly. everyone to be happy. Happy people are happy people with themselves and with everyone else. And I, I love, I love that. I think, you know, not, I think the issue from a brain perspective is that when things go wrong in our lives, the brain tries to make sense of why something went wrong. And this could start at a very early age. So if you were, you know, told when you were younger that you were heavy, and they did all these shaming things in my kids' school. They would bring everybody to gym and, you know, put their body mass on the wall. I mean, it was just a freaking nightmare. Um, so if these things started young, then if people started not being nice to you or you didn't get the part in the play that you wanted or you, um, who knows, weren't asked to the prom by somebody, you might have, the brain might have used the weight as a catch-all bucket for everything that's gone wrong in your life. That is a very well reinforced story. So now, even after you take the pill or you take the shot, things are gonna go wrong in your life. That's still gonna happen, but your excuse will be gone. Your excuse, okay? So now your brain, this is the jumping ship part, your brain is going to look for another excuse. Well, okay, maybe it wasn't your weight because you fixed that thing. Maybe I had it wrong all this time. Maybe it's X, you know, it's my, like my nose. Maybe it's my personality. I don't really know what you're going to blame next, but it's going to keep you in the same, I'm going to say, insecure state. So understand, like you were saying, Jill, how many problems are you trying to solve with this new intervention? And what type of, and I like the word delusion, and I don't, I wouldn't shy away from that. You, your, you yourself say, what delusion am I under right now? I think it's a really good question. Spell is another word that would work. What spell am I under? Yes. And then to give yourself the space that things go wrong. Don't take it personally. You don't need a reason. You are not a project for continual upgrade so that you can fit into some form of society where things don't go wrong. That's the delusion. Things go wrong all the time, no matter what your pants size, no matter how much you like yourself or not like you, yourself. The difference might be that the more you like yourself, the more allowance you have for things to go wrong, rather than trying to live a life where things don't go wrong. 
Beautiful. Beautiful. So there's work to be done here. Yeah. And for people that have criticisms, like, well, well, I don't want somebody that eats donuts all day to be a size six. That's not fair. They're going to have other problems. If that's, if they're really eating in, you know, really, really unhealthy foods, that's going to catch up sadly with somebody in some other ways. Um, and I don't even want to go there. Yeah. That's just sad. Yeah. But wait, I don't even want to go there because that rationalization, right. Is, is a way of me making myself feel better at the demise or expense of someone else. (laughs) Energetically, I want to take that out of my field. I want to be happy for the person who's eating six donuts and and is a size six. I I want to be like, look at that mother go, right? I want (laughs) to make sure that my energy is supporting everybody in their individuality because it's like you said before if you can't support someone else in their happiness you cannot support yourself you will be at odds with everything you see there will be a comparison component that will sink you that will weigh you down comparison is the death knell of of personal happiness because there's always somebody to compare to who's doing better And there's always somebody to compare to who's doing worse. And your brain takes those out at the most inopportune time, shuffles them around. It's like a shell game of of you teetering up and down based on those upward and downward comparisons. Yeah. It's not the way to go. Yeah. I'll repeat what, what came through earlier that if you're unhappy, you're unhappy. And that's in, that's independent of your pant size. If you're happy, at every size, if you know how to make yourself happy, if you've experimented enough to realize, okay, I'm happy when I'm this, I'm happy when I'm that, as a as a constitution of energy, not a number on your clothing, that's a good sign, right? Yes. And if somebody is unhappy at a certain you know weight or size, they're probably not going to all of a sudden be happy. They'll just be unhappy at a smaller, a smaller version of themselves. If Initially, Initially, there's a little honeymoon period there where the commitment to the self to do something new sparks the creative spirit that you are, and that will give you a high, but that will probably not be self-sustaining unless you back it up with the updated software, hardware, that brainware that you and I are talking about. And look, I think even if you can say, I'm an unhappy person and I'm an unhappy person and I'm a size 20, you know what? I want to be an unhappy person at size six. That's consistent. Go for it. That's not you fighting you. That's actually, oddly, a whole clean energy because you're not trying to, you know, solve, you're not trying to fix You've, what do I say? You haven't misidentified a problem and misidentified a solution. You're actually not going for a solution. You're like, I'm unhappy and I want to be an unhappy size six. That's, I love that. Do that. But don't try to split yourself and say, I'm unhappy as a 20 and I'll be happy as a six. That leap doesn't, I don't know. It's energetically, that's not a, that's not a chasm that can be 
left over. Beautiful. On that topic, I love this uh, approach. I've used it with my clients a lot is if you're somebody that's that has this maybe decades long approach of I'll be happy when, but you're not happy now, write out that list, really write out that list. And I'd like you to go, that's not true. That's not true under every single thing you wrote down because your happiness is never truly after something has been gained or after something has been realized. Your happiness is available to you in every moment of your life. Yes. And without that, you're depriving yourself of a huge sense of, of meaning and purpose and joyfulness that's always available to us, not based on achievement, not based on idealism, but based on grace and yeah. allowing for it. It's not about deserving it. And that's a hard one. That's a hard one for a lot of people with, with different storylines slash different beliefs and the way their brain operates of, no, we don't have the right to be happy. We're not we're not good in this yet. We're not perfect in that yet. We're totally a mess in this area. And that is so common and so tragic because all of those brain loops can be completely rewritten through curiosity and experimentation. And that's why I'm glad we brought up this topic because there is a lot of cultural do not enter signs on these, I like your word, interventions. And if it's working for someone and they're willing to um, do the trade-offs and the, the cost benefit, the risk analysis of, yes, for me, this is worth it. Yes. I understand this downside. I'll address that. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm still curious. That doesn't make me stop being curious and it actually works for them perhaps their whole life. Oh my God, this is, yeah. I think it's a win. I think it's a win too. The commitment to the self cannot be overstated yeah. and it really does it really, you have to take that out regardless of who's in your orbit. I am committed to me, yeah. period, end, full stop. I call it causeless joy, right? The brain tries to make attributions. When you're, when you're joyful, you're like, oh, you know, I'm so happy. And then the brain says, well, we better figure out why because we need to bottle it and we need to make sure we get more of it. It doesn't like to just sit in the joy. It likes to understand where it came from. And so the brain will always make an external attribution. It has you looking around and saying, you like this, you like this vacation spot, you like this person, you know, relationship. Um, but what that does is when those things aren't there, where's your joy? So it, it's a very more, 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 I need, I need, I need, and a very disempowered way of looking at what happiness is. The brain doesn't know why you're happy. You don't need a reason to be happy. It's, it's just, it's such a, look, the brain is a tricky organ that we've let almost like run itself. Yeah. And, you know, you and I are espousing, no, 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 that thing should not be running itself. And yeah. uh, we really need to take ownership of it. We need to weed out the stuff that isn't working. We need to, we need to take another, another cold, hard look at this thing. And I think that, I think we can do it. I don't think it's that complicated once you realize where to look. 
And I think that's why a lot of our podcasts, and we try not to overlap, but a lot of our podcasts overlap because the brain is the underlying common denominator in in everything we're talking about. And these are just, we're offering different ways, inroads to watch what your brain is teeing up. That's that's really what we're offering every every time we do a podcast. Beautiful. The other little thread I'd like to add, and it, it does feel like we're coming up on our 45 minute goal here, is there are going to be some humans that for whatever reasons are more early adopters. Those of you that are always the, the, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but you're always the, let me let a whole bunch of people do it first before I will ever feel comfortable with it. If you did not have the first electric car and you're still on the fence about it, <laughs> you know, this is, you know, something like the example we're giving with these um, trizeptopine, I think is the Manjaro and the semaglutide family uh, of products that you're probably not going to be jumping on this in the next two years and maybe not the next 15 years. If you're more of a wait and see, let me make, let me make it, you know, let me see it get mainstream and then I'll feel more comfortable with it. That's totally fine. I am a, I, I am willing to take risks and I have benefited. So I, that's gone well for me in my life. I tend to be an early adopter with technology and, you know, we had one of the first Priuses and one of the first Teslas and that's just, it's just what my husband and our family are by nature, maybe not one of my kids, but so some people are going to go, oh my God, this is so exciting. And yes, there's risks. Let me look at those risks. Let me assess, let me critically think about those risks and critically think about the benefits and make my own decisions. So if you're an early adopter, please also keep that in mind that those that are not early adopters, they will probably never be on board with you. So here's my solution. Don't ask them to. You don't even have to tell them about it, right? You know, oh, you know, oh God, you're doing those cell phone things, right? In the late nineties, you know, landlines, uh, you know, I can't believe, well, you know, what are you going to do when the power goes out and you can't charge? I mean, there's just always going to be that crowd. Uh, what are you going to do if you can't charge your car? I mean, there's always going to be that group. I feel no ambition to try and convince them because my senses, even if I did have my answer, my critical and I think intelligent answer for them, it's not going to go, oh, well, okay. They're never going to, they're just going to go, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. I love you. Be you. You be you. I'll be me. It's all good. I think for the people who are late adopters, they don't want people to be early adopters. <gasps> oh, that is this a is very, big. That's, that's profound. a very big part because I, I, I'm also an early adopter of things. Um, and I am never popular in the things that I, that I, and I just laugh because 10 years later, it's totally mainstream. But when I started it, man, it was like, you know, I always say the first one out of the gate gets bloody. That's just the way it is. But I do find that people would be uncomfortable with my comfort of going out ahead of the game. And I just look at it as I, I just, to the point where they would try and shit on my parade. So a lot of times, number one, to your point, I stopped talking to people. I stopped telling people certain things that I was doing because I realized that I, at that time, their juju did affect my juju. But now I'm at a point where I can say like, I don't want your juju in my juju. That's you. I'm not you. 
you know, you can do whatever you want, but why would you get in my space? Why, why would you legit say something like that? People, I do think I'm not trying to convince them, but I do think people need to be checked. Um, and I'm very comfortable doing that. I just, I'm, so big. I'm always like, why would you say that? You know, and it does take, yeah. it, it does, it's not even rude. I'm just like, why would you say that? Like, what, <laughs> what is the whole benefit of that? Right. It's why just very, bothering you? Yeah. it's just very curious to me. And when people, you know, they do get flustered. They're like, well, uh, you know, they really don't have an answer because it's so programmed in them to be rejecting of new ideas, new things. I'm curious. Mm. I'm entrepreneurial. I am the jack of all trades, master at none. I will try everything, follow through with nothing. Like this is, <laughs> I love my unscripted, unstructured life. And people Curiosity. Like, you started that yesterday and you didn't follow through and now you're on to this next thing. I'm like, why do you care? I'm sampling life. You're running on the same track going backwards and forwards. That's you. This is me. Pretending yeah. they have to finish everything they start, which we've done another episode on that, which I just think is so sad. If you started something great and you want to finish it, that's awesome. But if you started something and you realize, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, and you still feel like you have to finish it, I just think that's sad. But I'm still just reveling in your whole break, your whole epiphanies. I love this. But some late adopters, they're they don't want early adopters to adopt early, which is so counterintuitive and paradoxical because without an early adopter, there is no late adopter. <laughs> they should be thanking us, damn it. Yeah. <sighs> no, nobody's really Fine. very thankful. And then you then you add doctors to that, right? Who oh. built their practice on a very specific structure. It mm. takes a very strong individual to pivot. It yeah. really, really does. And if your doctor serious. can't pivot with you, that's fine. Don't expect him to, but don't make his or her uh, inability to, to pivot the, what would I call it? The, the expertise that you want to follow. The beauty about the medical establishment is that there are a lot of different medical science is not, what would I say? It's, there are a lot of different studies that say a lot of different things. It is not definitive on any level. And I do respect how powerful the mind is as a healing element. And I've said this to some, some people in the pharmaceutical field. I'm like, when you do your studies, just do me a favor, just put on the study somewhere do you believe you can heal? Do you believe in this case that you can lose weight? Do like there's there's something about the beliefs that what would you that activate that potentiate that's the word that potentiates the path that starts to put your energy mixed with other energy behind which catapults this into the next level. People don't give enough attention to the beliefs going in. And maybe we'll do, maybe this is kind of queuing up another thing I wanted to talk about at a, on a different podcast, What, which is the coping, chronic, and remission. 
as being the healing standards of our society. So it's a big deal when you think of those as belief systems, and maybe we'll talk about that next week. Um, But I just feel like get you behind you, get your beliefs and your stories cleaned out. Don't have an identity in there that is fixed as the overweight person and the stories that everything that ever went wrong in your life was because you were overweight. The belief doesn't make it true, but it will be true for you. Beautiful. And for anyone that's afraid of being hopeful, I just, I mean, please feel the love from Jill and I, that's a, that's, that deserves a lot of love. It does. That does. And I will just to, to finish, we're always taking risks. Don't think that you're not. So don't put anything out of your purview because of risk. You're always doing that. Every day, you're weighing the risks of what you eat, what you breathe, what you, we're, we're not getting out of here alive, right? So let's, let's make the time we have here the priority, not the time we're trying to extend, you know, the, the yeah. priority, the quality. Let's, let's go for quality. Beautiful. Beautiful. Like I said, yeah. there's an hour longer of ideas. I know. I share. Okay, I'll shut up. And, We're you, done. and you know that, but I'm like, okay, We're this done. Is putting, a, putting an ending on this. I know people have a lot of questions, possibly do your own homework, realize the biases and the brain yeah. patterning that's going on with some of the sources that you're looking at. Some are late adopters, some are early adopters, some are, oh, it's, you know, you're going to have this side effect and this side effect. No, what if you don't just because mm-hmm. someone did. And for some people, some of the side effects are manageable and more than worth. The benefits still outweigh those costs and it's still worth it for them. So you get to decide for yourself what options to pursue in any situation in life and give yourself that permission. Be ready for someone else's slack if you choose to share it with them. Possibly think of loving retorts for them of, well, I'm not asking for your approval, but I, right. I, I, I see you disapprove and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, right? You can have very non, non-snarky responses that just let you be you while you're letting them be them. Yeah, I like that. And most of all, have fun with it. We Everything that we're bringing out here, we want you to have fun with the curiosity. We want you to, yeah. Just lighten, lighten the mood, right? Yeah, it's exciting. It is exciting. All right, it's a wrap. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Jill. Thank you.